Welcome to another episode of Talking Fast, a Gilmore Girls podcast. I'm Suzanne. And I'm Alexis. And we're two longtime fans of the show, excited to rewatch and recap it along the way. This week we are recapping Season 2, Episode 18. Back in the saddle again. (laughs) (laughs) Back in the saddle again. Um, After helping Rory with her project for Chilton's annual business fair, Richard realizes he's tired of retirement and wants to start a second career. And that was the Netflix bio. Nice. Did you feel like this was a filler episode? (laughs) Yes. Yes, I did. Yeah. (laughs) I agree. It was a fun episode Mm -hmm. and I enjoyed it. But it was just like kind of carrying on the same kind of stuff that we've had Mm -hmm. without a whole bunch of development, except for Richard's development. Yeah. I don't think I would have minded it. And it's not like I'm angry, but just maybe a bit (laughs) frustrated because it's felt like we've had a series of filler episodes in some degree for the last few weeks. And we know that the last few episodes of the season are so eventful that it's just wearing on my patience. I'm like, let me get there, you know? <laughs> yeah, let's get to the drama. It definitely feels like the the pressure of the 22-episode season mm-hmm. compared to, you know, a more compact version of what this might have looked like if it were, were a shorter season, for sure. Yeah. I've also noticed we've been in spring in Stars Hollow for like, I think it's going to be over half the season by the time (laughs) the season is done because we had like a, we started off in summer still and then Mm -hmm. we had like a two episode fall and a two episode winter. It's a great point. Now the rest is just spring. (laughs) It still feels like kind of chilly outside. So most shows, most shows seem to do like the Hollywood you know, like Greek, I think they make a joke about how it never, it's always the same weather on the show Greek, mm-hmm. even though I'm not sure where that college is set. But yeah, it's common for TV shows to really disregard the weather and go for the convenient sunny or nighttime thing. But for Gilmore Girls, which is so aware and incorporates seasons, it's like when they do kind of slip and allow it to just be one season for a really <laughs> long time, we do notice, I think. A yeah, bit. or maybe weird. you and I notice. I don't know if others yeah. do. <laughs> I mostly notice because we like change our graphic by the seasons. Mm, we do, and so now we just have a whole bunch of the springs, spring graphics for this season. It's gonna be clogging <laughs> up our Instagram feed. Yeah, same color. Yeah. <laughs> We're trying to be aesthetic here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would be nice if we had uh, what's twenty-two divided by four, <laughs> like five and five and six and six or something like that right anyways (laughs) well that's a bit of our feelings at the top (laughs) let's get into this with our talking fast segment yeah are you ready to go first i suppose i am (laughs) good because there's no (laughs) No choice choice. (laughs) okay ready set go Rory has an economics group project. Brad is back. Paris is still mean to Brad. They need to come up with a product. She asks Richard to be an advisor. He's reluctant, but Emily talks sense into him, so he agrees. Then he gets really involved. They make a first aid kit, but they lose to a locker alarm, which is disappointing. This inspires Richard to start his own business in the future. Meanwhile, Michelle's mom is there. Suki's name is wrong on her invitation. Dean is determined and desperate. I hate it. Lorelai gives him bad advice. Yeah. (laughs) Nice. 
It's pretty good timing. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see. I mean, I felt like I was talking fast. I don't know if I got to everything, yeah. but I could like, <laughs> I felt like I was out of breath as I was doing it. So that must be a good sign, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, th- I think you did get to everything. Mm. Didn't Lauren yeah. Graham say she and Scott Patterson, or maybe just her, had to quit smoking in the early... <laughs> I, if I'm making this up, I'm sorry. I don't. I do not mean this as a rumor at all. But like, just the level of dialogue was too demanding on your lungs. If you're a wow. smoker, I think <laughs> that's a. I'll have to fact check that. endorsement for the show. <laughs> yeah, it's anti-smoking cigarettes. That's a good yeah. thing. Maybe they ran an ad. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, are okay. you ready? Yeah. Right. On your mark, get set, go. So Richard has been tinkering away on a car and he's bored. Um, we also find out that there's going to be a business project at Chilton and Paris is in charge, of course. They need to have an advisor, so they ask Richard and he gets really into it. Meanwhile, we have no Jess this episode, but Dean kind of pops up everywhere because he's stalking Rory and there's a bit of tension there. Um, Michelle's mom is there and we find out that he's been hiding a lot of stuff from her and Suki is upset about her invitations. Nice. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so much of it's like the kind of small, small scenes. So kind of like last week's episode. It's a very vague amount of time covered in this episode. And if I'm not mistaken, when Rory was explaining their business group project did she not say that the fair was three weeks out oh wow i didn't notice so i think (laughs) i'm not sure if this episode is aware of this but it does cover three weeks supposedly yeah (laughs) but it seems like one week (laughs) because it it opens on a friday night dinner and closes on a friday night dinner it's a bit of continuity error yeah or maybe they just cut the scene where they got the announcement that surprise the business fair has yeah. been moved up two weeks. I hope you're ready to present. <laughs> yeah. Gosh, tension, suspense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we'll get to that a bit more. But the mm-hmm. episode opens with a cold open at a Friday night dinner. Very classic. The main point of this dinner is to share Richard's continued like struggles with retirement he's fluctuated between activities apparently he tried oil painting but (laughs) is now on to fixing an antique car do you think dean inspired him after their argument (laughs) because we critiqued richard for not knowing anything about cars and maybe he sensed that about himself and is now trying to get on dean's level here (laughs) yeah maybe and he's starting off with See, I don't know whether an antique car would be more complicated or less complicated. Maybe more complicated because there's not as much, as many resources mm. on how to fix it, but less complicated because it's not like computerized and all that kind of like yeah. modern car stuff. <laughs> yeah, I think it goes with the like rich man's retired mm. life because it's very conspicuous consumption, you know, that he could afford... I assume a, an expensive antique car and buy all these expensive yeah. parts. And like the thing, it's like a design thing. He's not really going to drive it. It's not practical. Yeah. <laughs> I think it fits with Richard's whole vibe. <laughs> Until recently, one of my grandpas had 
a Model A, which is like one of the really early cars. And I feel like he'd had it since he was young. But throughout my entire, or maybe not, because I don't know if he had it when my dad was a kid, but throughout my entire childhood, he had like arranged to have it fixed by this guy in town. And throughout my entire childhood, it was at that guy's house. And every once in a while, somebody would ask my granddad when it was going to be done. And he'd be like, oh, any day now. The guy keeps saying a couple weeks from now. And he <laughs> just... Years. Yeah, he just got it uh, maybe about 10 years ago. So it was about 20 years at that guy's house. That sounds like a Stars <laughs> Hollow story to me. Yeah. <laughs> I could see he, that. My yeah. friend's dad had an antique car that like would run, but it seemed like he never drove it. It was always like covered in their garage. And if you like, if they'd driven you somewhere and you got back to their house, they would like let you out before you got in the garage if you were on mm-hmm. the side that was close to the antique car. And I just never really understood <laughs> like, what's the point of yeah. having such a nice thing if you're not going to use it and share it with the world? But yeah, it is about like the collecting, the pre- pleasure in owning perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. Once my, my granddad like sold his mm-hmm. in the last couple years to somebody who will take it to like road or car shows and stuff because it had once my grandpa finally got it back it just sat in the garage (laughs) i see my rory's bookshelf was also in the scene that was a rough transition but (laughs) uh based on a line that lorelei says uh because they're waiting for a long time for richard to arrive he's busy working on the car and Lorelai jokes that Godot was just here and he said, I ain't waiting for Richard, grabbed a roll and then left. <laughs> wow. And this is a reference to the 1952 play. Don't have that memorized. I did look that up on Wikipedia. Uh, waiting for Godot by Samuel Beckett. And the premise is like two characters spend the whole play waiting for a character to arrive, Godot, and he never arrives. So... I think this is a really good joke on Lorelai's <laughs> part, um, implying that, like, even, like, even in the play, a character who never arrives, like, we've been waiting so long that he actually did arrive and took a role and then left. I've never seen that play, but I hear about it all the time. I feel like I get it. I haven't seen it either, but, like, oh, that's funny. They're waiting for someone for a whole play, mm-hmm. and then he never arrives. I don't know if I need to see, like, hours-long play. <laughs> To appreciate that, like, fun little premise. <laughs> yeah. I bet it's, like, full of a whole bunch of introspection about their relationship and mm-hmm. stuff. <laughs> Anyways. If anyone is a huge Beckett or Godot fan out there, please write in and let us know if we should actually yeah. see it and if we're being too rude to the play. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I myself prefer musicals with songs in between dialogue scenes, but, yeah, you know. I agree. I've never been a huge I do go to plays every once in a while but I'd prefer musical I feel truly affected by our modern age of like devices for my attention span I really wonder if I would be able to sit through an entire play without like really wanting to check my phone which is a horrible (laughs) thing but I just think like that is such a long time to be in one seat watching one thing you know yeah I don't know I go to the movies all the time and I I don't check my phone in there (laughs) yeah that's a good point I guess I feel like seeing you know 
what's the last movie I saw? Like the new Thor movie. Is that yeah. a bit more attention grabbing <laughs> than waiting for Kajal? That's true. <laughs> Probably true. Maybe, but you know. <laughs> okay. Anyways, <laughs> so the next day, maybe we'll just say another day. <laughs> yeah. Um, Lorelai and Rory show up to Luke's, and Lorelai senses that something is different. They realize Luke has a new special, which of course leads to some teasing between. Lorelai and Luke um we do get a little tidbit where Rory realizes that it's Jess's handwriting Mm -hmm. which kind of uh nods a little bit to their like the progression of their relationship they aren't in school together but somehow their relationship has progressed enough that they like know each other's handwriting yeah (laughs) I think it is intimate to recognize Mm -hmm. and know someone's handwriting yeah. And it like her saying, correcting Lorelai, like, no, that's not Luke's handwriting. That's Jess's. I think Rory doesn't realize how revealing that is to simply say that. Mm-hmm. But when I saw that, I got so much secondhand embarrassment. It's like when yeah. Dean saw Jess leaving her house, like to have Lorelai see that about Rory and see, like suspect the closeness of the relationship. I was just like, oh, this is so awkward. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, I wanted to share, this is also my Stars Hollow moment. I just think it is neat, like you said, that Lorelai senses when she walks in that something has changed and then it's such a big deal that Luke has, like, this is the first first time he's changed his special in years, apparently. (laughs) And I feel like this is another great example of the theme that we've been picking up on this season which is like stars hollow is very resistant to change Mm -hmm. and their love of tradition and history and how this is like part of rory's own romantic relationships too like we can read it on a lot of levels and i think we see that in the dialogue because when lorelei says i sense something has changed And then Rory kind of like grumbles about change and Lorelai asks her, why are you so anti-change? And then Rory says, change sucks. And I was just like, this is about (laughs) um, an omelet, you know, but deeper than that, it's about Rory's resistance to change and her assumption that change will be bad when we know that it could be good, right? So Mm -hmm. I thought it was very... It was very, it was like such a funny Stars Hollow thing, like, oh, haha, finally a special has changed after years. But it's also very thematic in the sense of the setting and the relationships. Yeah. Yeah. Rory's resistance to change and break up with Dean, mm-hmm. all of that. <laughs> Speaking of Dean, he appears for the first time. <laughs> Quite literally, he's just Out all of, of a sudden air. there. <laughs> and he, is super awkward. Lorelai asks him to sit. He asks Rory if that's okay. And Rory's like, yeah, of course, you don't have to ask. But you can tell she just feels weird about it. Mm-hmm. And it's just such an awkward interaction. Just the first of many with Dean in this episode. Yeah. Ooh. You get the sense, like, just to look at Rory's face and her behavior in the scene and what she says, like, why are you here? And Rory has the ick which is a very mm-hmm. technical term yeah. <laughs> to describe an almost indescribable feeling of 
like disgust or irritation or physical yeah. revulsion to your romantic partner. <laughs> and yeah. she has the ick for Dean hard in this episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a great way to describe it. So Rory has the ick and we'll see that kind of develop throughout the whole episode into some pretty pathetic behavior from Dean. <laughs> truly, truly. <laughs> Our next scene is at Chilton where we're introduced to another group project. <clears throat> it's going to be a business fair. This is where my Rory's bookshelf moment is. Paris is making fun of people for taking too long to read the instructions. And she said, says, it's not the Bhagavad, Bhagavad Gita. <laughs> and so that's my Rory's bookshelf because I can't resist an ancient text. <laughs> mm, what is it? It's a Hindu text um that's uh like a religious text and it's kind of uh legendary mythological it's from about the second century bc wow it's old (laughs) um it's written in sanskrit and it's really interesting I, i i read it a few maybe like six or seven years ago so i don't remember in detail but it's really really interesting especially if you like mythological texts or like religious foundational texts it's really interesting um but if you don't want to read that there's also a great middle grade book that was inspired (laughs) by it because part of the bhagavad gita is the um dharma yuda sorry if i said that completely wrong (laughs) but it's like a kind of divine battle a war amongst the gods and prophets and stuff and this book, uh, it doesn't follow the events, but it has characters from it and kind of follows a similar, like, quest-type structure. And it's called Arusha and the End of Time. It's a great middle-grade book, so if you like middle-grade or have a younger reader, it's by Roshani Chokshi, and it's very good. I think there are two or three other sequels, but I haven't read those yet but highly recommend that sounds really good i feel like you're you are good at making book recommendations in your rory's (laughs) bookshelf i admire that (laughs) i just i have been listening to a lot of audiobooks lately (laughs) Mm -hmm. so it helps awesome to return to the scene and chilton's love of group projects (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) this the premise of this group project is that they need to come up with a consumer project make a prototype and then kind of compete at the business fair with their idea. I think this is a a clever premise for mm-hmm. a group project. I would have fun in this. Like Louise and Madeline end up being on like the marketing team. I think I'd like to be in like the marketing side of things, coming up with ideas of how to like communicate about it. But and the other thing is that they need an advisor of someone who is in business. And this is really setting up The major plot of the episode, really. (laughs) The stakes are high. Yeah. First, they all go through why their parents can't do it, and then they suggest Lorelai. Rory doesn't think Lorelai would be good for it, so we'll see what happens there. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I liked this group project. I feel like it gives them all a good kind of taste of the different types of roles they could have working in this kind of white-collar type of job mm-hmm. <laughs> or is that blue no that's white collar right I don't know the corporate job where you have to like have a pitch and 
then there's a marketing team. There's also like an economic point of view and stuff and financial and all that. So yeah, I thought it was a great project. The scene also had some pretty humorous moments, one of which mm-hmm. I mentioned in my talking fast is that the return of Brad, who says his psychiatrist and rabbi encouraged him <laughs> to face his fears and return to Chilton. Paris immediately glowers at him, which is amusing. And then I also noticed when they were saying why their parents can't uh, be the advisor, one of Madeline's lines is, working moms is so 90s. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> implying all their waspy moms are just, like, not working, which was also funny. <laughs> yeah. And it's only 2002 or something at this right. point. Right. It's, like, <laughs> it's barely Doesn't that mean 90s. they are working? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There was poor Brad. He's just kind of skewered constantly by... Paris I felt like this was one of the points where he stood his own the most Mm -hmm. he didn't seem as scared as previous times but I feel like it's common to a lot of comedy shows Mm -hmm. the one character that the audience recognizes as a perfectly sweet and lovely person but within the show itself everyone is like mean to them I think case in point (laughs) is like Jerry from Parks and Rec you know yeah (laughs) it's like why are they all so mean (laughs) And it's just played off for laughs, but... Yeah. (laughs) So after we leave Chilton, we go to the inn. This is kind of the structure of the whole episode. Like, each day there's a Chilton scene and a scene at the inn. Um, Mm -hmm. But we first arrive in the kitchen and Sookie is whipping meringues. But then she has a delivery and it's her wedding invitations where they accidentally called her Susie St. James, which sends her into a bit of a tizzy, mm-hmm. understandably, especially because yeah. she probably ordered like, I don't know, a hundred or something, a, a big full box. box. Yeah. yeah. Lorelai kind of attempts to quiet her and she calls the company <laughs> and she tells Suki that, you know, they'll take her a bit more steer- serious if she doesn't get hysterical, which is weird uh, verbiage, but... <laughs> As soon as Lorelai hands her the phone, of course, Suki is hysterical, more or less. Yeah, she's like, why do you hate me? Or like, why are you out to ruin my wedding? How could you do this to me? (laughs) It was funny. Poor Suki. In this scene, um, Rory comes in to work after school, I suppose. Mm -hmm. And this is where we get the discussion of Lorelai isn't really interested in being the business advisor but she suggests that Rory ask Richard and Rory seems kind of trepidatious of this and she kind of remains like that for a while but Mm -hmm. um in in the end I guess we she agrees to ask Richard which I think was a good choice yeah 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 the next scene is Rory visiting Richard she's in a uniform again so maybe this is another day after school like you said she's trepidatious this is a return of like the people pleasing side of Mm -hmm. rory that i don't know if we've seen as much recently but it's like she's really making herself as small as possible in this rather simple request to a family member who loves her (laughs) like yeah she she keeps saying like um it's no big deal like if you don't want to do it if you can't do it i understand and when richard is reluctant and he makes up an excuse about how busy he is she accepts this so quickly it was like oh it's fine it's fine it's fine don't worry about it don't worry about it I was like girl 
yeah just own it up you know make the request it's okay even if you're rejected like it's not the end of the world but yeah yeah, she just didn't want to like impose on Richard maybe she's just worried since he's been such in such a funk but I didn't really know where her hesitance was coming from so much here yeah it's like she was afraid to even talk about business (laughs) the word business (laughs) yeah yeah she, she I don't I don't think she even outright asked if he would want to do it. Her, her, like, when she finally got around to it, she kind of said, but if you don't want to, mm-hmm. and that was her way of asking. Yeah, sad. <laughs> but yeah, Richard kind of refuses. He says he's got a lot of stuff going on. He makes all these excuses. And then Emily shows up, but Rory has to leave. And Richard tells Emily what Rory had asked that she be that he be the business advisor and that he's not going to and then Emily lays off like on one of the best guilt trips (laughs) this was my gazebo moment actually (laughs) it's such a good guilt trip and it's the intervention that Richard needs and this is just a very well written and well acted speech that she has here where she's saying like why would you decline? You're not busy. She says she never thought she'd see the day Richard Gilmore would disappoint his daughter like this, which is an excellent mm-hmm. line. <laughs> and we talked about that all the way back in the um, coming out episode when Richard, all of this began and he wasn't there to see or support Rory. And we were like, how could he do that to Rory? Mm-hmm. And Emily raises that point here. And she also says... Is this how it's going to be? I just want to know what to expect from you. Moping in silence, I accept. But turning your back on Rory is unacceptable. Are you that lost? And she ends by saying she's incredibly disappointed in him. And it's <laughs> just like, I think it's, the, I think it's the tough love that Richard needs to hear. Like, for so long, we've seen his waffling in his, like, late life crisis and how he allows his own problems to cause him to like lash out and hurt other people or to just not think of them and he really goes from highs and lows and it's just like you need to really take stock right now and see how you're affecting other people and really think about your life moving forward I'm like thank you for saying that Emily (laughs) yeah I feel like that happens often to people when they have like a career shift or something Mm. or like are without a job for a while it's easy to just kind of wallow yeah and then feel like there's no way to get out of that but yeah I agree I think this was exactly what he needed I also love that he turned classical music up to, to drown out Emily yeah that's <laughs> just that's like so Richard, so Richard. <laughs> uh, that's funny so after this we are kind of walking around town with Lane and Rory and we haven't seen Lane for so long but she was great in this scene Mm -hmm. I guess she's taken a career test at school and she's got sales as her ideal career so she's kind of giving this mock sales pitch and it's it's pretty funny (laughs) and then Dean pops up again (sighs) and he is trying to get Rory to come to his softball game that afternoon. Mm-hmm. Um, even though supposedly they already had plans for that evening. Rory, you can tell she's really annoyed at this point. And it, finally, she just says, what's the point of going yeah. to the softball game? 
because she has to do homework before they hang out in the evening. So she'd be doing homework at the softball game. Dean is just like so he's just taking this personally and he's so like upset and clingy and mm. yeah the ick is all over her face <laughs> yeah it's it's kind of funny to see um Dean when he walks away he's like just the picture of like quiet misery to me <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's hunched mm-hmm. looming just sad (laughs) he's like a sad puppy (laughs) yeah i made a note at the end of the episode when he's hunched over again but it applies Mm -hmm. here and it's like how maybe this is compliments to jared padalecki because dean can somehow be so hunched over while also hulking at the same time right those Mm -hmm. two things are like should be in contradiction like he's making himself smaller but he's also still so tall (laughs) yeah yeah that's true he does play this kind of this role really well Mm-hmm. <laughs> at the end of the scene lane jokes come again soon <laughs> playing still her like her uh bit about her disgust for getting sales she wants something mm-hmm. cooler she had mentioned and it's like girl who do you think your mom is like only the most yeah, superior salesperson in stars hollow it's an honor that you would get sales four times on the same test like it runs in your blood mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, sales doesn't have to mean selling paper at Dunder Mifflin, you know. (laughs) Right, right, right. (laughs) I was kind of disappointed after this scene that that there wasn't a conversation between Lane and Rory. My cat is (laughs) sniffing at the microphone. (laughs) Because there was such a, like, obvious... (laughs) Rory had such an obvious, yeah, ick with Dean. And that was such an awkward conversation I can't imagine that Lane wouldn't ask Rory what was going on after Mm -hmm. witnessing that. And I would have loved to see them, like, maybe, you know, talk it out, talk about dress or something. Yeah, like, we see Rory mentions that she's hanging out with Lane on Friday night Mm -hmm. at the end of the episode, but we don't see Lane. And I agree that I wish... Even if she didn't have a storyline herself, even if she was there to serve Rory's storyline, like you're saying, I would accept that at this point. You know, I'll take what I can yeah. get. <laughs> we haven't seen her for so long. Yeah, I can't wait until the day that she's more of a regular, like once the Hep Alien stuff starts. Yeah. And earlier in the scene at the end with Suki, it also had me thinking we haven't really had a ton of Sookie in the second half of the season either. Mm-hmm. And when we do, it's all about her and Jackson pretty much on from their engagement to now like wedding planning and whatnot. And that's not a bad thing. Like, I think the problem is when women's storylines are like only romance or about men. Mm-hmm. I'm totally fine that her primary thing is about like a serious romantic relationship in her life. That's super important. But like, I don't know. I wish we were getting more of her as well. And about like her friendship with Lorelai and just her own life, like her career and et cetera, et cetera. (laughs) Yeah. We haven't heard anything about the dragonfly for a long time. Yeah, that's a good point. What has happened with that goal? Anyways, (laughs) after this, we do go back to the inn and Michelle is just having Lorelai like sign all sorts of things, joking about what they could be, but they're probably all just like staff paychecks or something yeah um and then the long-awaited Giselle shows up (laughs) Michelle's mom and she 
she's magnificent, but she's also kind of like a, I feel like they're just playing on a stereotype yeah. that Americans have about French people where they're just right. like kind of rude, their noses in the air all the time. Like they're just kind of critical of everything. And it fits with Michelle and they have like a great dynamic. But yeah, it's just so stereotypical. I think part of the cultural stereotype is they're fancy and flamboyant <laughs> and um, into the finer things in life like cuisine and shopping. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I agree. Like they are. I was I was going to ask you what you thought of like not just the portrayal, I think, of the two of them as like a of a um, mother and son, but their relationship. Uh, because Lorelai is really confounded by it, I think, comparing yeah. it to her own with Emily. So what do you think of their relationship? I don't know. In a way, it was kind of like a version of Lorelai and Rory's relationship, like very mm-hmm. informal, more like friends than mother and son. Although later on, we do find out that the way that this is maintained is by Michelle not telling his mother anything personal. Yeah. Which... I feel like is maybe not normal, but somewhat common for adult children to do, like, especially if they don't, if they know how their parents will react to certain things, they just don't tell them. But I thought that also played into what we've been mentioning this whole time, which is them trying to heterosexualize Michelle. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's just, he's like, had such a habit of not talking to significant people about his personal life and feelings and stuff that that's part of why he's still in the closet at this point mm-hmm. or the show is attempting to make him yeah <laughs> yeah what if like know. another version of this episode would be about Lorelai accidentally mentioning to his mom that like oh he's got a new boyfriend or something yeah. like that and then part of his story is like having to come out to his mom and his reluctance to share private details has been about his own um, insecurities, but then she like accepts him by the end of the episode or like has no problem with it. That Mm -hmm. could have been fun. (laughs) Yeah, that would be a great Michelle storyline, especially Mm -hmm. because I just would love to see how they would do that with their style of dialogue. Yeah. Between the two of them, it would be so much fun and like great representation, you know. Correct me if I'm wrong. In the original series, is Michelle ever out? I don't think explicitly. They they do a lot of queer coding, like mm. with his obsession with Celine Dion and stuff like yeah. that. And yeah, I think it is just queer coding because mm-hmm. I feel like I always thought he was gay. <laughs> yeah. But now watching it back, I'm realizing that they tried so hard to make him straight. Yeah, I was just thinking about that because then he is out in the revival and Mm -hmm. we're sort of deprived of the storyline of what happened along the way. Like either we're just supposed to assume everyone knew or there was actually something that could have been told or shown, you know. Um, And I, yeah, it's just something we didn't get, unfortunately. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that would have been good. Yeah. One last thing in this scene Michelle's mom gets my Lorelai's Closet nomination for this lovely coat that she's wearing that has a matching dress underneath. 
This actually reminded me of our shared nomination for last episode, the jacket that Lorelai was wearing. I would be willing to bet that the costume department got those jackets from the same place, like the same designer. They look very similar, but this is like a foil because Lorelai's was black and this one is like a light pink and it's got the same sort of like elegant flower pattern on it and they are like a darker what color oh yeah darker red and orange and it's like made to be even more glamorous I think by the matching like sheath kind of dress on underneath it it's a very like elegant set overall and as a whole she's got a quite like elevated French sort of style to her so yeah well done Giselle (laughs) very posh yeah Yeah. (laughs) I like her and I wish we got more of her than just this one episode Mm -hmm. okay Moving on, um, we're back at Chilton, and Richard is coming to participate with the group. Rory is already, like, apologizing for for everything, saying that they'll be super quick. It won't take up much of his time. It's just sad. <laughs> but they sit down, and Rory asks for their pitches for different business ideas. And we get some pretty great pitches. We have Louise, who pitches... Uh, lipstick locator which i kind of feel like was the precursor for like the apple air tags or something yeah the whole groups act they act like that is such a silly yeah idea so frivolous of her but steve jobs no sorry he's no longer with apple apple stole that idea from her (laughs) (laughs) i feel like it was weird maybe with the technology that was available at the time because she was saying you'd have to have like a remote you have to make a networks Yeah, it works so much better now with a phone. Yeah, because Madeline's idea is a locker robot, and Paris is like, mm-hmm. you do know we ha- we'd we have to make that, right? <laughs> what she is mentioning is basically having a smartphone with you all the time to answer mm-hmm. questions. Yeah, a robot would be impractical. Paris comes with a complete prepared pitch. She's got binders for everybody, and she's clearly rehearsed this pitch. So Leslie, nope. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And it is for a locker first aid kit, which I feel like I had the first, the same reaction as most everybody else in the group was like, okay, what's special about that? Like Mm -hmm. there are first aid kits you can buy anywhere. Richard, this is, this scene from now on is my gazebo moment Mm. because I feel like Richard is doing being a great teacher in this moment he asks her clarifying questions kind of without giving away his opinion yet Mm -hmm. he asks her what's the point of it first aid kits already exist and paris says yes but this is how we're going to market it specifically to teenagers with all these fancy boxes and leopard print and uh neon band-aids and stuff Mm -hmm. like that and richard finally approves that yes he thinks it's a great idea i thought that that was a great example of like kind of asking paris to be like self-reflective and also Mm -hmm. back up her choice and stand up for be assertive like we've been saying rory should have been (laughs) yeah and i he also then like scoots his chair up and starts getting really involved and it was just heartwarming (laughs) yeah he really comes alive in the scene Mm -hmm. about halfway through as you said with paris's idea and 
later on when he mentions he might start teaching as one possibility moving forward. I think, like you said, I think that is actually a good fit for him. Mm -hmm. And he was, you know, acting like a great teacher or advisor by the end of the scene. He looked really bored at first. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Though, listening to the first couple pitches, I could understand being like, what have I got myself into? <laughs> right. And when he was doing insurance before, mm-hmm. but you know, he did seem confident about how to run an inn when he was ad- advising Lorelai earlier. So, oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, throwback. <laughs> I am glad that he is finally happy. We're seeing him kind of in his element in a way. Yeah. And we had mentioned that what part of our critique was the way he was treating Lorelai uh, through, like, so like he was very paternalistic or condescending but as we see him interact with this group and with Paris in particular like he treats Paris very much like a business equal in a way and Mm -hmm. it's actually quite like fun to watch and she like I don't know I think he at least is treating these students a lot better he's not being condescending and I don't know I think he's taking on the role well like you said yeah yeah I agree that's one of the worst things to have in a teacher is have a teacher who's like patronizing towards you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think Richard should consider that. I believe he does later on. <laughs> Yay. Later that night, Rory arrives home and the phone is ringing. She asks Lorelai, like, why aren't you answering the phone? Don't you know? Lorelai um, lets her know that... Uh, <laughs> The phone has been ringing all night long. She took four messages from Dean before she started to not answer the phone. Rory goes to check the messages. Four. Four thirty. Quarter to five. (laughs) Five thirty. He realizes she's getting home later at six. So then he calls at five forty five just to see if she got home early. And in total, it is 14 messages that Dean left. (laughs) 14 uh, and Lorelai refers to him as Dean the determined uh but I think he's Dean the desperate you know but yeah oh <laughs> great horribly bad vibes <laughs> yeah yeah he's so clingy and just like so insecure yeah and that's like one of the least attractive things you could be is to be so insecure that you like question everything the person says about being in a relationship with you i'm thinking of like the most recent season of love is blind and there was Mm -hmm. one couple where the girl was always like she was so insecure about her body and Mm -hmm. just like her personality and stuff that she was constantly asking thinking that her fiance was like cheating or flirting with other people and like asking him why he would be with somebody like her and stuff Mm -hmm. like that and it's like and the external validation will never mm-hmm. achieve the internal validation that you really need. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great reference there. We interrupt this podcast with a message from our sponsor. The average teenager spends seven hours a day at school. Seven hours where they are busy walking from class to class, indoors, outdoors, in all types of weather. At the same time, that teenager is going through major physical changes within their own body. The combo of the action with the environment, in addition to the hormonal imbalance, can only lead to one thing. Accidents. Picture this. Monday morning, Muffin wakes up and looks in the mirror. 
oh no, I have a zit on my face. I'll just look down when I walk so a hunky football player won't notice. And bam, muffin specks right into a cafeteria wall. Ouch, that's gotta hurt. This is why the Style Aid Corporation offers something no teenager should be without. The RX2002, a first aid kit specially designed to fit in a locker with minimum space disruption. It's got everything a teenager might need. Band-aids, antiseptic, cotton balls, Q-tips, ace bandages, aspirin. But that's not the best part. The RX2002 comes in a variety of 12 style options, including the teen favorite leopard print. You'll be interested to know that it's also waterproof, fireproof, comes with, and comes with a five-year warranty. As if that's not enough, there's also a deluxe model with even more personalization features, including a snap-in CD case, lighted vanity mirror, divided compartment for makeup and knickknacks, a picture frame, and a hidden pocket for valuables. As a listener of Talking Fast, you have a special offer available to you from the Style Aid Corporation. With code MUFFIN at checkout, you will receive a free year-long subscription to Jane Magazine. We hear it's all the rage with the young, hip crowd. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But all and like the thing is too, where I think to think of Dean as insecure or desperate or whatever, I don't even mean it to be an insult, which it is, but it's also like just trying to understand how he could possibly be in the mindset. Like the first mm-hmm. call he makes, Lorelai answers and takes a message. Why would you need to leave 13 messages after that when you know she's not gonna be there? It's just like yeah, irrational. <laughs> Yeah, it's in these days context, it would be like, I don't know, texting somebody and then checking every couple minutes to see if it's read or unread. <laughs> and if it's unread, like text again, <laughs> just mm-hmm. like blowing somebody's phone up. You're right. Like there are modern versions of this that hopefully make it clear to our younger listeners how extreme <laughs> this is. <laughs> yeah. Either way. Dean the Desperate is a great moniker for him. Thank you. I also have like uncomfortable feelings about the conversation between Lorelai and Rory after this as they're kind of sorting out what has happened. This is not my Friday night dinner critique because I think something takes the cake later on. (laughs) But um, Lorelai's questioning of Rory like are you guys fighting like what set off this phone craze Maybe Dean is feeling insecure. I'm just wondering, Lorelai, like, Dean has always had this behavior where he's always mm-hmm. called too much. So to refer to this as something new, I think is a bit misleading of her. And to also just like, Rory says, it's crazy that he called so many times, 14 messages. Lorelai is kind of trying to like minimize Mm-hmm. the impact of these 14 messages by trying to find like a cause like there has to be a good reason that he called so many times or she like downplays also like she's kind of like I don't know she's waffling between 
saying he's calling a lot and then like trying to yeah. be like it'll all be fine just give it time and she says give it a chance write it out after Rory says she wants things to go back to normal I think it's bad advice <laughs> I agree especially like if it was a 20-year marriage and there was something like this happening maybe then write it out would be a good piece of advice but for a teenage relationship that's been going for over a year already I I feel like Lorelai is just kind of projecting her own inability to keep a relationship onto Rory and saying like if you break up with this guy now then you're just like me despite the fact that Rory is 17 mm-hmm. she should be I, I feel like it's pretty normal to a year dating in high school is long <laughs> And it seems like it'd be normal at this point for them to break up. And Lorelai's also kind of, she's given so much advice to Dean that she feel it feels like she's on Dean's side here Mm -hmm. rather than Rory's side, which I think is the biggest problem. Yeah, she's totally on the defense and protection of Dean side. Mm -hmm. Well, we'll get to talk about that more because there's even more of Lorelai's counseling about the relationship in this episode. (laughs) Yeah. And I do want to, like, I think I've shared my reluctance before to, like, constantly critique Lorelai's parenting choices because I do have, like, a, I think we both share, like, a feminist value and, like, we we are hesitant to cre- critique parenting and mothering in particular because uh, so many critiques are often rooted in sexism, et cetera, et cetera. But I will say, like, I would critique Lorelai's advice if she said this to Suki or Emily, mm-hmm. or, like, if she was doing this to any person in her life, I would say, like, that's a bad call. So I just want to defend our takes here because I think it's a <laughs> universally recognized, like, that she's interfering way too much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a, that would be bad advice coming from anybody. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> the next day, we're back at the inn. Michelle and his mom arrive laughing, and Giselle gets my Lorelai's closet here. <laughs> For her, like, bright pink skirt suit kind of outfit. Definitely something you would wear, right? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know me and bright, bright colors and skirts and stuff like that. (laughs) It's so bright and so, like, just fancy looking. It just looks like something that costs a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And... She and Michelle are talking about going shopping and stuff, and she's just kind of exuding this fashionable French woman persona. Yeah, like we don't get a bunch of time with her, so I think her clothes are doing a lot of the work of setting like Mm-mm. her characterization. Like, who is this person? What does she? What does she like? What does she like? I think her clothes yeah. are well done. Yeah, that's true. We get a little conversation with Giselle and Lorelai, mm-hmm. in which Lorelai lets it slip that Michelle doesn't eat carbs, <laughs> um, which is news to Giselle. And <laughs> as we said, like I think we've already talked about this, but mm-hmm. that comes up later. Something that Michelle hasn't told his mom, which I find interesting. It's him. It's his dieting, really. That seems to be the thing he won't tell his mom. Mm-hmm. And I wonder what the, like, motivation behind that is, whether it's, like, he doesn't want to talk about his insecurities or she has a different view on 
diets and stuff than he does. Mm -hmm. Or if he feels ashamed for dieting. I don't know. It's an interesting thing to keep. I didn't really think about that until you were describing that and like why is it dieting that he doesn't want to talk to her about and I think that's another place that they could have gone deeper with this Mm storyline between the two of them because his mom is kind of aghast about this and she seems to be on the side of like just eat food you know and like yeah (laughs) um so it could have been something where where does Michelle's like extreme dieting come from like his Mm -hmm. body insecurities is it from like moving to the US is it like body standards he receives here in media or was it in France as well like I don't know it could have been could have been something yeah in the US I feel like dieting is usually used as a bonding thing between women oh god (laughs) like you often yeah like what diet are you on now (laughs) yeah like talking complaining about their bodies and talking about how much weight they want to lose and stuff like that and that's kind of seen as like a bonding activity so it's interesting that it's something he keeps from his mom yeah maybe looking too much into it but I like to look too much into things (laughs) yeah (laughs) meanwhile the economics group is meeting once more this time at the Gilmore's house and they have transformed the dining room into a boardroom (laughs) and Richard and Paris seem to have taken the lead on getting a poster board ready there's booklets like this seems like a real company at this mm-hmm. point, they've named themselves the, I think, Styled Aid Corporation, and they've named their mm-hmm. product the RX 2002, and they have they just run this whole meeting as if they were business colleagues, which, as I mentioned before, really tickles my fantasy, my, tickles my, it just tickles me, like, I think it's so funny <laughs> how Paris is calling him Richard now, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> they've been in business together for so long, and Um, I like the two of them together. They're both so serious and like, uh, but also to the point, like they're really about getting stuff done. I could see them working together. (laughs) Emily also pops in to to ask them if they want snacks. Like she is treating this like a normal group project meeting at your Mm -hmm. house, like of teenagers um, asking if they want ice cream and stuff. Richard is very annoyed by this and shoes her away. Yeah, it reminds me of a mom interrupting, like, a video game session. Oh, yeah. Like, mom, we're in a business meeting. Leave us alone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. But Emily is actually happy mm-hmm. about this because she notices Richard is really engaged and he seems happy. He's smiling. Yeah. And so that's just a great sign. Mm-hmm. He's feeling reinvigorated and getting Emily's support during that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, later that day, there's someone who is not smiling, and that is Dean. Surprise, <laughs> surprise. This is when Lorelai gets home, and Dean is washing Rory's car, uh, oh, randomly, you know, yeah. very desperate once more, and Lorelai is just like, what's up, Dean? Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing here? I have my Stars Hollow moment in this scene, um... Not for any, like, character stuff, but because in the background you see purple wisteria growing along the porch of Lorelai's house and over the hoopa, mm-hmm. and it's just so pretty and spring-like, and that's just something, we saw it also 
growing, I think, on the dragonfly when we went with Rachel. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know, just wisteria just makes me feel, just feels so quaint to me and so mm-hmm. like springy and kind of, yeah, it's just a, such a pretty thing. <laughs> and I haven't, I think I've only seen it once in person in Rome, but I've never seen it. Like it doesn't seem to grow here. Definitely did not grow in New Mexico where I grew up. <laughs> Someday I would like to have it on my house. It's a very pretty backdrop for this scene. <laughs> so Dean is washing the car. Lorelai brings him inside. She just wants to talk to him pretty much. First off, she tells Dean that he's been a great guy and so good to Rory. And then she kind of describes overcompensating to him and says that you know he's kind of overcorrecting for whatever mishaps they've had in their past by being a little bit too clingy and Mm -hmm. she suggests that he let Rory come to her come to him for a change what did you think of this advice (laughs) okay well first of all I had multiple thoughts but the first is that I'm questioning Lorelai's opinion that dean is good to rory Mm -hmm. i don't think you'll disagree with this but like the this obsessive behavior with the calling and then like the yelling that we've seen and the jealousy like is he really that good to rory and a lot of popular opinions about dean and the fandom are like oh he was such a good first boyfriend you know like but by the end i don't know if he is yeah yeah Especially when we've seen how much she, like, comes into her own when she's with Jess. Like, Mm -hmm. she seems more confident. And I'm not saying Dean is necessarily the reason for her being unconfident in other situations. But I feel like he doesn't bring out confidence in her, maybe the same way that Jess does. And I, I just keep coming back to the fact that this is a teenage relationship and Lorelai's treating it like... It's some long commitment <laughs> that they just need to push through and keep working at mm-hmm. when that's just not true. Some yeah. like breaking up and that kind of stuff is also part of growing up and maturing. <laughs> like that needs to happen for Rory. Yeah. Building on that idea, the Dean mentions to Lorelai, he's like, I feel like nothing I do is right. And he trails off and then he says, I just want things back to the way they used to be, which is exactly what Rory had said earlier. And I feel like Lorelai saying, oh, don't worry about it. Just give her more space and things will get back to normal. I feel like she's almost, in a sense, invalidating his feelings. Like Mm -hmm. the fact that he feels like he can't do anything right or that things have changed and they're not good anymore. Like if she had just told him, like, think about those feelings more, like, Maybe I think part of Dean's issues is that like a big part of him is actually conscious of his bad feelings and how the relationship is bad. But then Lorelai and Rory keep telling him that what he's feeling is not the case or like it's all going to be fine. And it's like if someone I wish Dean just had a friend to be like, you're right. Everything you do is wrong because you both just don't <laughs> feel the same way anymore. It just ends yeah. things. Nobody's saying that to either of them. And it's so, like you said, anti-change. Like the whole idea that you can get back to the way things were 
you can't yeah, and also it's like happen. it's such a recent past like what are mm-hmm. we talking about like they haven't been together 20 years yeah huh. yeah i feel like we at this point in time know better than ever that there's no going back to normal yeah <laughs> once something has changed it's changed things can settle down and feel okay again but Mm -hmm. they're not going back to the same yeah I agree it's just their feelings have changed to the point where there is no there is no reconciliation that won't have one of them like walking on their tiptoes all the time they both want that old (laughs) omelet but the new (laughs) omelet is on the menu now and it's not going away (laughs) Uh, great Uh. analogy (laughs) so yeah, not the best uh, advice, maybe, from Lorelai and her meddling. Yeah. But yeah. the the next scene we get is back at the inn, and Suki is still yelling on the phone with the company about her invitations. Yeah, it's a big storyline she has here. <laughs> yeah. Melissa McCarthy had a lot to work with. <laughs> yeah, a lot of progression and change. <laughs> but Michelle storms into the kitchen and this is when we find out that he's really pissed off that Lorelai told Giselle about his dieting. Mm-hmm. And he explains how their perfect relationship is built off of secrets. Keeping <laughs> things fluffy. <laughs> yeah. Which, I don't know, I feel like when I was um, maybe in my mid, early mid-20s or something, I had more of a relationship like that with my parents where mm-hmm. I just kind of like not really talk about my personal life just kind of yeah, let definitely. them know the general general situation <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah it doesn't necessarily build the the best long-term relationship no. <laughs> <laughs> michelle says to like you turned her into a mother <laughs> yeah which is yeah, a really good that. line because so for most of this episode as you said earlier lorelei was kind of flabbergasted at their relationship yeah and now we find out why it's because giselle wasn't like a mother to michelle she was more like a friend Mm -hmm. just like rory and lorelei a little silly that lorelei would be so flabbergasted by that but Mm -hmm. i do think um her and rory have a different kind of friendship even within the realm of unusual mother-daughter relationships because her and rory talk about all the things that michelle says he doesn't talk about with his mom true It was a really funny, like, full circle moment from Lorelai being so confused by the two of them to this, like, realization of, aha, that's why they were that Mm -hmm. close in that way. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and that's the end of the end storyline, pretty much. Yep. It was pretty happening. Indeed. We move forward to the business fair, which is at, this is the point in the episode where I was like, wait, has it been three weeks? Yeah. (laughs) because uh, it didn't feel that way uh but it is the fair and richard runs into headmaster charleston whose first name is apparently hanlon i wrote that down and his wife's so name sounding. is biddy the most old money names i've ever heard <laughs> and <laughs> hanlon makes some really subtly subtle digs at richard's retirement mm-hmm. i thought he was quite rude Saying like, well, I got to get back to work. Not all of us can be living the good life yet. I was like, Mm -hmm. if every guy in Richard's life is that subtly judgmental, no wonder he's having a hard time just 
resting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And they part saying, like, we should get dinner. And Charleston says, I'll get Biddy to make the call. It's like this man can't even make a like a dinner plan on his <sighs> own. Oh, God, these waspy little gender dynamics. It's just abhorrent yeah. to me. <laughs> Yeah. Like if my partner ever asked me to make dinner plans for him and like another guy, I would just be like, what? What? Do it yourself. <laughs> that would uh, be so strange. <laughs> like treating a wife like your social secretary is what they're doing. Yeah. Which kind of seems like it is the role of the household. Like Emily yeah. is often yeah. talking about that being her role. Mm-hmm. Um, but during the business fair, Paris starts off sure that they're going to win um, because everything else is not even competition. Of course, that means that they lose. <laughs> the locker alarm wins. Um, which I think is kind of a strange design because every single locker would have to have a different alarm. Otherwise, anytime one of them went off, every student would go to check if it was their locker. And are you supposed to leave class? I don't know. It was just uh, questionable. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but... <laughs> Um, Richard is really pissed off and he goes to talk to Charleston about it. He agrees with you. He's like, that is questionable. (laughs) And this conversation was my Friday night dinner. Um, Mm -hmm. Charleston is saying, uh, you know, the, they're not in the real world. So it doesn't matter really which one is the best for the real world application. Um, which is my, my biggest critique there is this assertion of having a real world versus and everything up until that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I feel like we get this often as people who are still in school pretty much as yeah. grad students. People are like, well, when you get into the real world, and it's like, <laughs> so what have we been living in mm-hmm. for? Or undergrads. You know, they say that to undergrads too, like college isn't, you know, the real world. And then once you graduate, you'll be out there. It's frustrating and I feel like it also discounts people's experiences in different phases of their life. Mm -hmm. Like everything is not important until you get to a certain point when you're in the real world and making real world money or whatever. Mm -hmm. And especially for a show... And for a principal of a high school to be thinking that way, where he essentially thinks that what these students are doing doesn't really matter, except maybe as a stepping stone to get into the real world. But he doesn't find that their experiences in this place are important. I think that's pretty questionable. Mm-hmm. And I just don't like Charleston. He's terrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like he was taking it not seriously enough, mm-hmm. but... On the contrast, Richard was taking it too seriously yeah, yeah. <laughs> and causing a public scene <laughs> with yeah. yelling. And I agree. I'm not really a Charleston fan, but he does say, um, well, like Richard says, this isn't for me. It's for the children. And Char- it's like, is it though? <laughs> yeah. It's your crisis yeah, coming was... up to the front again. <laughs> that was another good call out. I think Richard finally gets a little bit of a, light bulb moment with how he's been acting but I think it had to culminate like he needed to have that experience and also this light bulb moment for it to happen at all 
Yeah, and we learn later when Rory and Lorelai show up for Friday night dinner, Emily says he kind of came home in a mood and shut himself in his office. And I think we're led to assume that he's back, you know, like moping and sulking. Mm -hmm. But actually, and thank God, (laughs) we do learn that it was a changing moment for Richard. And he comes out and he's animated once again. And it doesn't seem temporary this time. He's sharing that he's been doing a lot of thinking and he decided he doesn't want to be retired any longer. He hates it. Um, And he decides he's going back to work and he doesn't know quite what yet, but he's optimistic and looking ahead again. And it's just, it's like, finally, thank, thank goodness. (laughs) (laughs) He's got the buzz. (laughs) Yeah. I can relate to this feeling like sometimes when you've been in a funk for a long time Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden you have kind of a light bulb moment and then start planning and that like planning can be really invigorating and exciting looking forward to something when for so long you've just been like going through the motions I guess Mm -hmm. so I'm excited for Richard I think I know what's coming (laughs) yeah the previewing of his um business with Jason Siles right Mm -hmm. yeah 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 And he does mention, like, maybe I'll teach. And he does later on teach at Yale, right? Mm -hmm. Much later. Yeah. Um, And something, but here he's like, maybe I'll teach at that business school of yours, Lorelai. Which, side note, we haven't heard about her going to business school in forever. Yeah. Uh, But we know, Uh, like, her graduation will come up soon. (laughs) So it's like, surprise, (laughs) she's been going. (laughs) Yeah, got to have that little nugget in there to remind us all. (laughs) Yeah. Is the last time when she met that young guy and they went on a date? That was like half a season ago at this point, I think. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Uh, This is what happens when we can't binge it. We just have to go episode by Mm -hmm. episode. Everything's so drawn out. That's a good point. I was thinking (laughs) about to that point of watching this I never felt like Richard's retirement storyline was this slow or Mm -hmm. long. I really thought, yeah, he left one company and then went to start another like immediately. But it turns out like all of season two is about Richard's retirement. And as a whole, I thought it was a very like a nuanced storyline that Mm -hmm. had a lot of conflict throughout. And then it pays off pretty well in this resolution. Like it was well done. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) After Friday night dinner, we're driving home and this scene just has like a aura of concealment (laughs) and tension. Yeah, that's why I put my Friday night dinner critique here. So they're driving home and Dean pages. It's the first time in two days. So I guess he took Lorelai's advice. Mm -hmm. And Rory says she's even had a chance to miss him. Which is good. Yeah. (laughs) But Lorelai suggests they meet up that night and Rory says, no, she's got plans with Lane, which I love. Uh, Like, Mm -hmm. maintain your friendships even in a relationship, please. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. So they they have some serious CD listening to catch up on. And then she says that they might sneak out because Lane's grandma is taking care of her and she falls asleep at six. (laughs) So they might sneak out and go to Luke's. And Lorelai reacts to this kind of very suspiciously. She's like, why would you go to Luke's? 
Which is strange because Lorelai is obsessed with Luke's. <laughs> I know. She's like, you had 10 rolls at dinner. Why would you go to yeah. Luke's afterward? As if they don't go to debrief constantly at mm-hmm. Luke's after Friday night dinner. I don't want to overuse the term gaslighting because I know that's a problem. But she's like <laughs> misleading Rory. Yeah. Like, as if acting it's a little weird to do something that they do all the time in reality. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. And why why doesn't she just she's obviously thinking about Jess in this moment. Why doesn't yeah. she just say it? Right. You mentioned that Rory says she's going to hang out with Lane and Lorelai says Lane in such a questioning tone like why would you hang out with Lane and not yeah, Dean? Yeah, that's weird. And it's so weird and like so toxic. <laughs> yeah. She should be like us, like supporting her, maintaining yeah. her friendships. <laughs> right. As such a bad, such a bad vibe to me. Yeah. She doesn't need to sacrifice Lane to hang out with Dean just because he waited two days to page her. Yeah. And when Lorelai drops off Roy at Lane, she asks again, are you sure you don't want to call Dean? Like there's still time for you to hang out with him. And mm-hmm. that's another red flag for me. And I just placed my Friday night dinner critique here because I do it was like it was I felt she's crossed the line as we said in the Mm -hmm. other conversation in the past as well but now we see it's to the point where she would allow like this whole pushing of team Dean to be at the detriment of Roy's other relationships specifically with Lane a longer if we want to talk about a relationship that's been around for a while, like yeah. that's actually one. They've been friends since before the series started. Like it's just um, bad, you know, to mm-hmm. use a very uh, nuanced term. It's just bad. I don't like it. It's bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lorelai does kind of, I mean, I guess she sees Suki all the time at work, but when she gets into romantic relationships, she does prioritize those over everything maybe except Rory so maybe that's kind of where she's coming at it from but Mm -hmm. again this is a teenager in a teenage relationship she shouldn't be prioritizing Dean who has acted good in one instance after many bad (laughs) actions to she shouldn't be compromising Lane in that friendship because they already had plans like why would you why Mm -hmm. would you cancel plans that's ridiculous I think the underlying logic here is that assumption that Rory would be like obsessed with this romantic relationship or just really dedicated Mm -hmm. to it. Um, And that Dean asking, why won't you do your homework at my softball game so you can be there to support me? And then being surprised when she doesn't want to or people being surprised that she doesn't want to spend the night alone with him at her house or surprised that she'd rather hang out with Lane rather than Dean. Like they're picking up on the fact that this like youthful infatuation where you want to be together all the time, it's over on Rory's end. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's not because they're developing a mature relationship with like equal time and whatnot. It's because she's got the ick (laughs) and she's losing interest. And it's like of all people, it seems like Lorelai is the one trying to repair that. And mm-hmm. it's just, she's repairing. It's gone already. Yeah. It's gone. Let it go. <laughs> Let it go. <laughs> and on that note, the last the last thing I wanted to say, um, I don't want to 
exclude Rory herself from this entirely. <laughs> because I was thinking as I was watching this episode, um, she too shares this nostalgia for her earlier relationship with Dean. And it seems like that's part of what I identify as her like desire to avoid change, even though it's already happened in their present time mm-hmm. and she doesn't want to acknowledge it. And she's afraid of like the taking a new path, like what would happen as we've talked about. And her avoidance, I think I will pause it. <laughs> this is setting up a pattern of behavior with her and Dean later on yeah. when he's married, her and Logan in the revival. Like, maybe these events are not as separate as sometimes we would like to think. Like, how random is it that Rory is having an affair with Logan who's engaged in the revival? Like, how weird. Like, I myself have said that before. But if you look at season two, like, there is some emotional stuff going on with her and Jess that a lot of people would say is like emotional cheating or simply just, you know, I just think it's a pattern of behavior. And maybe if the Gilmores believed in seeing psychiatrists, she could have recognized <laughs> this pattern of behavior before it happened. And that's mm-hmm. a reference to an Emily line that we didn't cover um, at dinner. Yeah. <laughs> she says that they don't see psychiatrists. Um which they all definitely should. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So yeah, family, <laughs> family counseling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Rory is so avoidant and she is obsessed with going back to how things were despite the fact that they never can. I wonder also if that has something to do with her career path or lack thereof in the revival. Mm-hmm. I don't know, wanting to, like she became so obsessed with her idea of being a journalist in this certain specific way and is afraid to change that idea to adapt to the times. Yeah, when there's so much, like, instability in her life at that point, to return to something stable, which was, like, Logan's affection for her, probably feels comforting and nostalgic for her. Yeah. Yet she's not willing to take it to the point where it would create a new path. Yeah. Which would be, like, a relationship or something. (laughs) Man, I feel like we've just really nailed her whole life. Like, if we could just talk to her, stage an intervention, (laughs) like, embrace change. Are you progressive politically? It can be so in your personal life. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we could have helped her. So we have the final scene where Lorelai drives back to, or arrives back at home, and we just see Dean sitting on the porch despite the fact he just paged Rory. So he he took Lorelai's advice, but couldn't keep with it. Mm-hmm. And so he's sitting there, presumably waiting for her to come back with Lorelai. And she's not there, of course. Lorelai doesn't say anything. And then Dean just says, she likes Jess, doesn't she? And I have to give props, lo- props to Lorelai at this point for not saying anything mm-hmm. and just letting yeah. him walk away. <sighs> Dean. Welcome to the party, Dean. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, guy, but there are other girls out there for you. Other fish in the sea. Yeah. Or the pond, because Stars Hollow is small and he doesn't seem like That's he'll true. leave it. <laughs> well, he is a big fish in a small pond. A so. tall fish, at least. 
<laughs> this was when when he walked away like so sad but he was so like hunched over but so hulking at the same mm-hmm. time i was like wow this is defying logic but yeah <laughs> yeah uh, scales that brings us to the end so don't forget to rate and review us uh on apple podcasts and spotify and wherever you listen Join us on Instagram and TikTok at Talking Fast Podcast and send us your thoughts and gazebo moments to talkingfastpodcast at gmail.com. And yeah, we'll be back next time to see how this progresses. <laughs> yep. Talk to you next week. See ya.